Witness history at Roland Garros, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. What is up, tennis fans? It's time for another season, another year of tennis bets into 2024 with the Australian Open just two days away from starting off. Tennis bets is back to get you geared up for that tournament as well as a lot of tennis going forward on the calendar. We've got the all-star cast back again. Kenny Ducey, Pamela Maldonado, Zachary Cohen. Uh, let's start with, uh, well, down my diagonal direction from this four-box Zico, Zachary Cohen. Um, doing a lot of busy stuff in the off season, but we're back into tennis mode. We're back into you as the core condition expert. So uh, how do you uh, handicap what we're seeing and what you're looking for leading up to this Australian Open? Uh, pretty much handicap it is it's the fastest tournament, I think. I mean, I think it's between this and Washington, D.C. I think these are the two fastest ones. So if you have a big serve, you're going to probably be in good shape here. And if you play good defense, then you're probably going to be in good shape here too. I mean, it's hard to defend when the courts are this quick, but if you could do it, then you're in great shape. Yeah, Kenny Ducey joining the show as well. And uh, I know you've been tuned in late night hours on the East Coast time zone too. So it's a little interesting for you having to watch these lead up events. But what stood out to you about the action in Brisbane, Auckland United Cup, and maybe what's changed as you've seen that for your thoughts on the Australian Open? Well, welcome, or uh, it's great to be here and welcome to the 2024 season to you all. I'm very excited to to get things started. Yes, it, I, I think you guys are total wimps on the West Coast. You guys go to bed and you know you don't know you don't understand how good you have it you know the matches are basically ending at 2 or 3 a.m i'm up until i would think i was up till 10 a.m one night uh <laughs> during the united cup these matches have been great and that's the one thing i wanted to just say is what's really struck me this year versus other years yeah we could talk about the court conditions and how yuri lehechka's a fraud all that stuff we'll, we'll get into it but i think the biggest deal for me is that these 250s at least on the atp side they've been wta 500s They've felt like such a big deal. Like the crowds have been great. Uh, you know, even watching the Runa Dimitrov final in Brisbane last week. I mean, that was like a very fun atmosphere. So I think the crowds have been great. Uh, there's a lot of excitement around this Aussie summer. I'm really looking forward to the tournament. But I think that's just been the biggest thing that stuck out to me is that these fe all feel like really important matches. And I think it's a testament to how much people love tennis in Australia. There's no other sport really like this where you're starting after a quote-unquote offseason and you have one of the four tentpole Grand Slams so quickly. So I agree with that. That's a good point that it doesn't matter what the number is. Grigor and Holger felt like a thousand-level match, like it was that good. <laughs> uh, Pamela Maldonado, welcome as well to the show, Australian Open time. You know, way back when, when you were starting your tennis journey as a handicapper, you always said this was your time to shine. And already I'm looking at first round of matches and I'm like, man, I love so many. How am I going to narrow it down? I think there's like a misconception. Um, there's a lot of value to be had in like the transition periods, something like going straight from clay into the grass court season, because a lot of the players that did well on clay are being overvalued. It's kind of the same perspective here. Like it's 
we've had a lot of people who have had time off coming off of injuries. So you really is look for the guys that are fresh and sharp who actually had an off season and can get value rather than like their name brand recognition. So there's a lot of value early in the season and then transition periods into the season. Well, we're going to hit the ground rolling, but we're going to have to start with the somber stuff first, our in-memoriam portion. Uh, there's going to be no Nadal. That was a tough blow for the Spaniard, for the people that uh, wanted to see him play, obviously. Uh, we're going to lead with Aslan Karatsev there. Jeez. <laughs> R.I.P. Seriously. <laughs> rest up. Rest up, King. Not entirely. Injury. But uh, Zico, just start with you on this one. No Nadal here, and it's hard to, hard to imagine what the future is going to look like for him because he looked good early and he trained for this moment had the uh, micro tear on the muscle, but his future is in peril. And now it's, you know, not a matter of uh, if he's going to retire, but when that's going to be. So your thoughts on uh, the unfortunate injury again for Nadal. I don't think I expected anything from him here. I know that he had been training to come back here, but I do think he actually looked better than I expected in the two matches we saw him play. So I don't know. I mean, if he's able to get himself healthy and play a few clay tournaments before Roland Garros, like I don't think we could really rule him out. I mean, it's not going to be the type of thing where we expect him to win, but I do think that getting to the semifinals or finals is always possible if he's if he's healthy. Yeah, you were a big tier one, tier two guy in terms of if Nadal can even prove that he's, you know, at that cut below the very best right now, the Djokovic's and the Alcaraz's, then why couldn't he believe in himself in clay? Uh, Pam, I know Nadal's meant a lot to you and your, you know, tennis fandom and following him, but, mm -hmm. you know, he's somebody that's going to prioritize the process and prioritize his body at this point. And he said it pretty perfectly. I'm just not there yet. Best of five. He's not there yet, and he, he has five months to get there because he was never training to come back to the Australian Open. He's still eye on the prize, one last shot. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets – if he does even make it to the French Open, Roland Garros, that could be his send-off because that's really all that matters to him is like maybe more titles on clay, but maybe he was using Australian Open as a step in, as a foot in the door and try to build up on some reps. I have one of the. I have a ticket for him to play that match with Carlos Alcaraz in Vegas. It was canceled last year, and I had tickets to that. Yeah. Um, I don't expect. I don't expect that to follow through anymore this year at all. I think that's I think like yeah. Canceled. That's like worse than the Netflix curse, which I think I, I think <laughs> I, I heard Ken say something about that, but I'm not sure. <laughs> No, no, definitely not me. I definitely didn't do any TikToks about it and get featured on Breakpoint without my face. No way. <laughs> that actually happened. Yeah, I know. Salt in the wound. But uh, no, look, just wrapping up. I think I should sue. I agree. I'm going to sue. <laughs> <laughs> I checked those terms and conditions uh, on TikTok, especially. Uh, Kenny, uh, I don't, I mean, just to kind of wrap up on this, I don't think we're, well, when do you think we'll see him again would be the last question. Well, first of all, Pam, I think you're going to see him at that exhibition. If Taylor Fritz can step into the ATP finals and play one set with Hubie Hercats with like a torn, his entire abs were torn and he couldn't serve, the money's right. Roth is going to be there and he's not going to push himself. Also, I mean, I think it's a, I think it's great that tennis is going to be live on Netflix, but it's like a very, I mean, Indian Wells is, I don't know, it's a very strange time for it to happen, but I mean, I'm sure it'll be fun. Um, I do want to take this time out to actually talk about Jordan Thompson. Uh, because I, we've, we've eulogized Rafa. I think what has been said already is very true. I think Pam's right. He's focusing on Roland Garros. He could play in the Australian Open if he wanted to. It just doesn't really make sense for him right now as he's trying to ramp back up to competition. And Zico's also right that he looked really good. Uh, he was looking better than he has looked in a couple years. Uh, not this, certainly not the guy that lost to Lloyd Harris uh, on a bum leg. I mean, he he looked pretty good and. 
I, I was really excited to see what he could do this week. So it, it's very disappointing. But I, I mentioned Jordan Thompson, and he's a guy that I've really never thought was very good at tennis. But he played a great match against Rafa. He he overcame a lot to come over, uh, or excuse me, to come through on those match points down against Rafa, and he won. Yet no one's going to give him credit for that victory because Rafa was injured. He had a micro tear, as you guys said, uh, which is ridiculous. It's a very minor injury. Same thing with Taylor Fritz beating Rafa. And we saw in Breakpoint how he was like, F off. I beat Rafa. Don't don't try to discredit me because he was injured. Uh, I think so. some credit should go to Jordan Thompson for the win of his career. And I don't want people to to just say, "Oh, well, it was against an injured adult." Because it was, it was he was right. able to uh, yeah. he was able to play, he was able to come up in that last game and nearly force a break yeah. when Thompson was serving for it. So, but yes, I I think it's very disappointing because uh, yeah. as as you guys said, he looked he was flattening out the forehand. He looked very dangerous. Uh, so it was very sudden to see him sort of get hurt again. But it's very sad. These top guys do, I think, give credit. Like Nadal and Djokovic, when they lose, they're not. I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about like everyone on Twitter or X. Sorry. You got to stay away from that stuff. Well, (laughs) let's go lead into our future discussion because there's a lot of storylines at this Australian Open coming up. But, you know, look, we're looking at potentially title number 11 for Novak Djokovic down under. He's owned this slam when he's been playing in it. Uh, Zico, starting with this, who or what will be Djokovic's biggest obstacle? We'll get to the futures and some potential matchups and bracketology, but how would you answer this question? What would be the biggest obstacle in no way's way? I think it's center. I honestly, I looked at the bracket. I think that the winner of that center Djokovic match is winning. I, I don't know if I'm spoiling this. My favorite bet in the tournament is center to win, but I probably would say Djokovic is my pick to win, you know, outside of betting. Pam, what do you think about in terms of his wrist injury? I know we've man- he's managed his body so well in one tournament when he hasn't been 100%, but is it a player like center or maybe an early round, uh, you know, landmine, so to speak. I have the exact same sentiments. If there was a player to knock off Djokovic before a final, it's going to be center in potentially when they meet in the quarter. I'm not really worried about this wrist injury um, that he got at United Cup. I think he's kind of in the same level right now as like Nadal, where they're very acute of what their injuries and he's being risk averse. So I'm not going to say that like he is overstating what this wrist injury is but he also has an eye on the prize so if there's an opportunity for him to find like a rest period it would be this and more so than anybody on tour and probably in all of tennis ever there's no better player who knows how to assess their injuries knows what to do with their nutrition knows how to handle their body better than novak djokovic so i trust him to come into this at near 100 if not 100 percent He'll do just what he needs to do to win those early matches, too. He won't put on a show to <laughs> have to play his best tennis. So, Kenny, I'd ask you the same question. also want to throw out, though, with bracketology, you know, the players don't look at the draws ever, but we do. And, uh, yeah, this one obviously stood out that he could face Ben Shelton in the fourth round. Still a lot of work for both players, especially Shelton, to get there. But looking at this and looking at that same question, how do you see it? I mean, there's really not that much hard work for Ben Shelton to get there. Adrian Manorino, probably his toughest match, although even then, Shevchenko, the way he's playing, could beat Manorino. Uh, I, I think that match is going to happen. I'm going to say that, first of all, yes, the wrist injury is a, is a, not a big deal. I think that everyone's overblowing it. I think we, you know, there, there's always an excuse for why Djokovic loses. I think it was less about the wrist uh, at the United Cup and more about the fact that he was just flat the whole match. Uh, he never really wrote, uh, he never really brought his level up. I know that he loves playing for Serbia, but uh, yes, ADM did some things with the backhand slice down the line. Jim Carrey talked about that a lot, the whole tournament, uh, and he played really well. He only lost one point on his first serve. 
But, I mean, that says it all, right? I think Djokovic just wasn't really engaged in that match for whatever reason. I'm going to say there's going to be two tough matches uh, for Novak Djokovic. And, again, I project him to face Taylor Fritz in the quarterfinals. Uh, I think ADM actually is going to beat Sinner. I think if Sinner beats ADM, then I agree with Zico that that's going to be a very difficult match, and I think Sinner could probably win that. Um, but I th- I'm going to give you two. One's going to be surprising. And one's not. The Ben Shelton one, not surprising. I think that's going to be a really tough match for him, especially since Ben Shelton's still going to be relatively fresh. He hasn't been playing amazing tennis this year, and he. but we always do know he turns it on for these grand slams, at least the, the two hardcourt slams last year. The other match that's going to be very difficult for Novak is going to be this Alexi Popper in second-round match. I know Ooh. that's going to... I know it's going to elicit laughter from some people, but we saw what happened last year with Taylor Fritz, who was clearly a better tennis player than Popper. And he lost in five sets. The crowd really played a factor there. And yes, Novak, he always loves the crowd, blah, blah, blah. But in those matches where he's getting into with the crowd, there's a common denominator. And that is that we usually go to a deciding set or it's a very tight match. Um, If the crowd's into it, that means Djokovic has let the opponent into it. And I do think Popperin's playing really good tennis. He got hurt. Is the only my, my only concern. He got a little hurt in, I think, the semifinals in Brisbane um, when he was knocked out to Roman. Maybe it was the quarters. I'm not quite sure how far he made it. But he, he looked really good that week. And I think with a big serve, um, yes, Djokovic, the best returner of all time. But Popperin has uh, that, that magic in his racket. And uh, when he's when he's in Australia, it's he's a very difficult man to beat. So that could go four or five sets, I think, actually. Uh, but the only other time he's really going to be tested, we know he's going to dust Monfils. He's always done that. We know he's going to dust Fritz. He's probably going to dust ADM the second time in a row he plays him if he plays him there. And Grigor if he plays him in the final. Uh, but I, I think, which I have, but I think that Popper and match could be kind of difficult. Well, I wanted to look at based on the odds going into this tournament because there's been some movement based on the match last week and some other things that have happened. So these are, as of this morning, the top seven favorites to win the Men's Australian Open. Pam, we're going to go Djokovic, then Alcaraz plus 350, Djokovic at even money, Sinner, Medvedev, Demonauer up there now, Zverev and Holger Rune at plus 3,100. So your initial thoughts on these numbers, other people that might not be there, where there might be value, not just in this bet, but you know, to get to a quarter, get to a final even. There's a couple of players automatically. Of course, Djokovic should be the favorite um, plus 100. That's mega value. I would say Carlos Acaraz at number two is overvalued. He should not be in the top three uh, based off of this draw, based off of it being the Australian Open, based off of his current condition. I think Demonar, um, just because he's one of those guys that does well in Australia, he turns up here <laughs> early on in the season, uh, 24 to 1. Not that I expect him to win, but if we're talking like pure value, sure, maybe there's something there. But I would say, say for the most part, it's pretty accurate runa could be interesting um just because i really do like the coaching change that he's had with boris becker uh injuries of course are always a thing but other than that the only one that really screams out is akras number two love him doesn't belong as number two yeah hasn't played along with center and medvedev no official matches before zico uh i'd say the the medvedev number to me seems like it's a good value area this is a guy that's played pretty well down here i know he lost a quarter last year but has made a couple of finals and Seems like he's someone that could dive right back into it, do well, and I think 1100 screams out some value. Yeah, I agree. I actually, I, I think that my final would be Sinner or Djokovic to be to beat Medvedev. So I think that there's good value there because you'll be able to hedge it even if he doesn't win, guarantee a little bit of money. I, I'm actually out on Holger Runa here. I think that he has some landmines early in the tournament, like some really tough early mm-hmm. matchups. I don't even think Nishioka is is a really easy opponent in the first round for him. Like I know that he had the run and you know lost to Dimitrov in that final, but. 
he has to prove himself after what he did the second half of last season. Like I'm not ready to consider him an elite player. So that's one that I would consider out for me. And I don't know, like Alcaraz, I do think is going to have a big season. That's not much of a hot take, but I do think playing without Juan Carlos Ferrero here is going to be hard for him. That's kind of been his rock throughout this early rise of his career. And Kenny uh, did not put on this graphic. Grigor Dimitrov plus 4,200. Also, I know you've come around uh, all the way around on Casper Rudy's plus 6,000 along with Andre Rublev. So it's a pass is about 5,500. So with that in mind, your thoughts on the men's futures. Yeah, I actually have Rude uh, beating Zverev, which is, uh, it's going to be a very, very good match. Oh, but I do think he has relatively no issues getting to the fourth round and playing Zverev. Um, and no, he's not going to beat Carlos Alcaraz. But look, I think Grigor Dimitrov could. I think Grigor Dimitrov has beaten Carlos Alcaraz before. And you want to talk about landmines for Daniil Medvedev. Grigor, first of all, Felix, if he does end up getting to that third round, which he might not even make it out of the first round with the way he's playing right now. But if he finds his form here, wins a couple matches... He really should have beaten Medvedev at the US or at the Australian Open uh, two years ago when he had that magical night, one of the matches of his career. Um, and then Med has lost twice out of the last five meetings with Grigor Dimitrov, and one of those was a three-setter in the loss. Uh, Grigor's loss. That was that's a matchup that gives him a lot of issues. He hasn't played a lot of tennis leading up to this. Grigor has. Grigor looks really good. I think this is one of the levels of his career right now. He just looks that good. Um, but I think this could be a really tricky draw, and I also agree. With Zico on Runa, I'm out on Runa. Uh, he, that Arthur Feast match could be difficult. The Jera match could be difficult. He's played really well. There's a lot of difficult, tricky opponents that he might have the uh, the, the audacity to overlook here. Um, you know, w- with his brain. But I do think if Runa's out of the equation, I mean, even mm-hmm. not, we saw Grigor beat Runa. He's going to have to come through a murderer's row, and he's probably going to have nothing left if he gets to the final. But uh, I, I I don't know who's laughing because I'm I'm not looking, but uh, Grigor Dimitrov is playing top five tennis right now. Uh, but I do think that to win the third quarter at plus four hundred is great value on Grigor. Um, a little interest in Hubie as well, honestly, at plus nine hundred. I thought he added some uh, elements to his return at that United Cup that was that, that makes him a little more dangerous because that's obviously the weakness of his game. But it's I mean it, it's going to be difficult for him to get through that quarter as well with with a bunch of giants there. Uh, you know, art, but again, like he could probably beat Holger Runa if Runa ends up getting past Feast. But we'll see. I mean, I, I I think I think that Hubie is just a tough guy to trust in Grand Slams. You guys would probably agree with that. He's he's except for Wimbledon, this guy's never there second week of a Grand Slam. Pam, I did want to mention before we get to the women's side. A lot of love for, and he won the title for Grigor Dimitrov. But do you see value in not just him this tournament, but beyond 30, you know, into his 30s now, having his best start to a season, best run in about seven years. So I guess I'll do it. I don't trust Dimitrov in a best of five to run deep in for a two week period. He's doing well now, but those are short stint tournaments. Um, I think in the long run, I mean, yeah, he could be maybe early on like money line bets to pair it up with somebody else to win these early matches. I think he could definitely have a great season. I love it. What he's doing, but do I trust him to like make a final or to do well against, I mean, literally just like center or Novak. No, <laughs> I think in the long run, short term, well, I would probably stop betting him probably in like the quarterfinals, semifinals. Okay. That still would be a grand slam semifinalist. Well, last made one in 2019 before the pandemic he, for the folks out there. He was also <laughs> scorching hot at the end of last year. Like we we did something with one of the final shows. You were asking yeah. us who to look out for next year, and I said it's boring because he's old. But I did say Dimitrov, like he was playing really well. 
boring. <laughs> That's true. I mean, I when remember. he's feeling it, when he's healthy, and and Pam's you know reservations are correct. I mean, the the body has really been what's held him back, and his brain uh, at times. But the way he, the, the confidence he has right now, and the yeah. fact that he has has he's looked really healthy. I actually thought. Physically, he was going to wane uh, when coming into that final against Runa, and especially with how physical that match was, he looked awesome. Uh, he's he's looked really good to finish matches. So I think his body and his yeah. mind are better than they have been uh, really since the last time we saw him make a, a slam semi in 2019. I do remember that Zico Oliver Grigor just couldn't get enough last year. Big Grigor guy down there. Witness history at Roland Garros, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Um, all right, before we get to the picks, the women's side of the futures of the Australian Open, you get Fiontech plus 220, the favorite here, Sabalenka, the defending champ, plus 400, Rubakina plus 500, then Golf Pagula is where it drops off, Zang and Osaka number seven. So interesting stuff there, but uh, Zico, it does scream to me, and that's another topic for uh, another part of the discussion, but they're handicapping it like we're looking at a big four in women's tennis because there is a sharp decline once you get past they were back in a cocoa golf range. Yeah, and I actually do have Zhang to make the semifinals. I just think that she's going to be, you know, a breakout candidate at this tournament. Has so much power. Like, I think that her draw is really favorable. But, yeah, I mean, I think it's fair to say that there's a big four in tennis right now. Coco kind of crashed the party with that U.S. Open win. I still think there's kind of a gap between the top three and her, but I also think there's a huge gap between one and two. Like, I think that when Iga is playing the way she has been, it's really not even close. Like, I think we're talking about someone that's going to go down, like, in tennis history as one of the greats. So you're getting her in the middle of a really good stretch since since October, really, where she kind of fixed that forehand, really became unbeatable. Uh, I don't think she's dropped a set in, in quite some time, except it's, unless it's to uh carolyn garcia so she's been <laughs> unbelievable and i do and the think mixed the pair of uh you know we've learned she yeah. can't play doubles well you know yeah. what I, I i thought she held her own in some rallies Easy. with men so i thought it was impressive <laughs> yeah she held her own and she as she cried after a loss so so, so i would also point out that what zico says is true because of the consistency factor you can say sablank and rabacana and even i mean maybe not coco given the track record but in one match could beat her, but you're going to bet, you know, this is a betting show. The smart money is on the most consistent player, and that's been Iga. That said, Kenny, before I turn it over to you, I think Rabakin is going to have a big year. I was looking at it, and I think she's going to be the one to, you know, she finished number four last year. It felt like an underwhelming year. I think she was pretty close to having a better year. I think we could see her be dangerous in Australia and beyond. Yeah, I do too. I have some friends on Gambling X that are big Rubakina haters or disbelievers for whatever reason. I, I think that she is, uh, arg- I think she's inarguably the second best player right now. And I think she could easily finish the year at number one. I mean, you know, not getting the Wimbledon points, I think sort of messes, messed with her ranking coming up. Uh, and I, I do think, I mean, look, she lost last night. 
to Alexandrova, who is, I mean, probably a player that could be top 15, top 10 if she really scheduled herself correctly and uh, played with a little more consistency. Also, she was tired coming off that Adelaide win. The only thing that really prevents me from from winning here is apparently we're talking about curses with the first episode of Breakpoint, which I, for some reason, they picked the handlebar mustache guy over me to show, which was weird, but then they used my TikTok anyway. Uh, You know, look... Adelaide, apparently winning Adelaide, I didn't know this, is a curse. You can't win the Australian Open after you win Adelaide. So that kind of scares me off of Rabakina here for whatever reason. But I do think she's going to have a really big season. I think she's playing excellently. She dusted Sabalenka. Sabalenka had no answers in uh, that final in Adelaide, which was shocking. Uh, And I I just think she frustrated her with how many balls she made. Uh, So she's really cleaned up the baseline game. I I think when we're talking about the odds, Zico's spot on with Zhang. I think she's playing unbelievable tennis. She's got really no one in her way. The two dark horses, which are, you know, they're easy dark horses that I'm sure everyone's going to throw out, but I think they carry a lot of validity this year. Osaka has looked, I thought, I mean, look, she's not moving very well. She's struggled a little bit on return, but on serve, she's looked just as good as she's ever looked. I think she's going to be very, very difficult to beat uh, these two weeks. And also, uh, Emirata Kanu looked really good in uh, Auckland. Better, yeah. Really probably should have beaten uh, Elena Svitolina, who almost beat uh, Coco Goff. You know, if it weren't for some physical ailments, maybe she does. Um, yeah. And I, I thought Radu Kanu looked unbelievable. Now, again, you know, we're talking a lot about the stamina here required for two weeks. She's obviously done it before and she's young, but a lot of injuries, a lot of surgeries, and she just didn't seem to have the stamina in Auckland. So I'm, I don't know if I trust her to finish out two weeks, but she's going to be very difficult to beat as well. She's playing a really high level, and she's in that section of the draw with Pagula, who's looked kind of bad, uh, you know, over the first couple weeks of the season. And she's also in that uh, Kinwin Zhang uh, section as well. And obviously, we've never seen Kinwin Zhang make a semifinal of a Grand Slam. So, but hey, I mean, Magdalenette made the semis here last year. Uh, mm-hmm. Anything is possible, and I think that Zhang probably does make that semifinal if it's not Radakanu who produces her level out of nowhere. But in terms of future markets, I think Radakanu and Osaka. If you're going to swing, you want to swing with those guys. Yeah, former champs. Another one is Andreva. I, I, think, I think she's just the winds have been piling oh, up for oh, her. Yeah. The talent's over yeah, there. Yeah, she killed Samsonova. Yeah. Can we talk she about that? really good the last, that last tournament. And I think that that, bracket, that part of the bracket is pretty open. I think Anj Jabor is probably going to get upset early by whoever she faces in rounds two or three. And I do That's think on, there's an opening for Andreva to kind of make her first you know, big run at a major. Slam, slam champ within two, three years. I mean, that's what we're. That's how I see it. So we'll see. That's how the odds makers seem to see it too. They, yeah. she's minus nine hundred every match. <laughs> she's always like tenth on the odds board every tournament. Yeah. I am All taking right, on your Jane bets. She's good. That's a sleeper for sure. Um, all right, more tennis bets here. We're on the Tennis Channel YouTube, Tennis Bets Twitter, and Tennis.com Facebook, as well as the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I wanted to wrap up this show with a ton of your best bets and plays and some thoughts on other matches for the first round. You can feel like they really did a good job with some exciting matchups this year. Uh, so we got some picks, and I want to get the conflict out of the way first. So, Pam, I'm going to play your bet, and then we're going to see which one of these guys disagrees with you. <laughs> But uh, we're going to start with this one. Manorino minus one and a half sets, minus 120 versus Stan the Man. So I was actually going to text you, um, like, maybe I want to use this as, like, a discussion rather than a pick for the show. Because, I mean, it's really just... 
This really just comes down to Stan the man. He is the type of player that needs to have reps. He needs to have rhythm. And he had a walkover in November and hasn't really done anything since. Monterino is not the player when you are out of rhythm and don't have those reps to go into facing in the first round because he is a backboard and will return everything. He's going to generate those long rallies. And what Warinka is 38 years old, I just don't think he has that type of level of stamina to sustain that. In the first round. Now, if you told me that he this was like maybe like the third, fourth round, then he's already built some of that rhythm up. But Manorino, he made the field. He made the final in the Sofia Open. He's a backboard. And that really is just like he's going to wear Walrinka down. So I would expect this to be like a Monorino win scenario. But I was kind of having hesitations there after I sent it to you. <laughs> Before we have Zico dismantle everything I'm about to say here, I, I do... I was thinking about this too. It's Stan with his backhand, the power, and we all know about it. But Manorino playing his best tennis, having one of his career breakthroughs, the career breakthrough this age in the game. I don't know if, if he's I'm going to get two of those. Yeah. I don't know if he is going to give Stan the power that Stan kind of relies on to just rip those backhands. So we'll see. But Zico sees it. He's going with the veteran, the experience, the former Aussie champ, Stan to win money line. Yeah, I mean, obviously, like Stan, we haven't seen much of him in the last few months, but I do think we, he just played, you know, some practice sets with Alcaraz. I think he's going to be ready to go. I actually think it's the opposite, where I think that Stan in the first or second round of these tournaments has the energy and has, you know, the ability to go out there and win. I think he runs out of steam a little bit later on because of his age, but I think that he has the ability to just overpower Manorino, who... I know is a really good smaller tournament player, but we haven't really seen it in majors. I don't think he's going to have just the firepower you need to beat Stan, who's also, I think he'll have the crowd. He kind of always does. Well, let's talk about a guy that has stamina and firepower early and that might wither out because, Kenny, you see a different player going the opposite direction. And another remarkable <laughs> uh, reversal of fortune for you, showing that you can put your differences aside. Echeverry's name was dragged through the mud a little bit last year on this show, but it's 2024. It's a new year. And was it? you think he's, you think he will beat Andy Murray money line. And why is that? Well, I first want to say that I'm not totally on the Echeverry train because he did cost me dearly the other night. He played an excellent match fighting against Shevchenko and then just, just absolutely, there were two service games in that match where he just made three or four unforced errors to lose a break very quickly. And he, he absolutely crumbled at the end of that match. And I probably will never forgive him for that, but uh, he has beaten Andy Murray before. He's always, he's won a set in both of their, at least a set in both of their meetings. Andy Murray has, has no form to speak of at the moment. He played in those exhibitions. He actually lost to Chilich in one of those exhibition matches, which again, like, yeah, exhibition, but uh, we've seen sometimes, you know, especially Francis Tiafo, Casper Rude come to mind, where players just like don't really look like they're with it in the exhibitions, or you know, they, you can see some signs of uh, some some wear and tear or some some bad form. I mean, Murray had lost seven of his last eight matches uh, going into that last exhibition match. And yeah, I mean, I, I one of those was to Echeverry. I think Echeverry makes this a very physical match. I think he's playing really good tennis. Uh, and I think he wins this pretty easily. It's, it's a pretty easy call for me. I think he should actually be the favorite. I think uh, Andy Murray, even you look back at last year, the amount of escapes that guy had to make against pretty middling competition, you know, no disrespect whatsoever to Thanasi Kokonakis, but like, Definitely should have. I mean, he definitely should not have won that match. Um, and yeah, I, I also want to just say 
I didn't get my opinion in on the Manorino match, but I think that's an easy win for Adrian Manorino. Um, I, I, you know, he, he, I think back to that second or third round match of the U.S. Open last year that Stan had to play against Echeverry, and Echeverry made that a very difficult match, and I still don't know how he uh, won that match. I mean, it was, again, Echeverry, just small brain, you know, whatever, but I do feel like that's a match where he had to make a lot of balls. He made a lot of errors and Manorino is going to get a lot back. And, you know, yes, he, he, he looked really good against uh, Zverev and he, he won a match and then he got dusted by Kasper Rude and Hubie Hercoc. You wow. know, I think top 10, top, I mean, they're, they're bona fide top 10 players right now. I know the rankings might not show it for either, but um, you know, I, I do feel as though those are the types of matches he struggles in. Stan can produce that level, but will he? No, I don't think so. But yes, Echeverry, I mean, Murray is Murray hasn't played good tennis in like five months and he's old. And, you know, yes, I mean, the crowd's going to be on his side, but Echeverry is going to make this a very physical match. I don't think Murray's going to have much fun. Yeah, calling the guy you pick small brain is interesting. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, what am I supposed to do on this show? Lie? Tell lies? I'm going to tell the facts every time. I don't know the official number, but an over might be a play too because Murray just seems like win or lose. He's in these dogfights. That is yeah, and small brand. Touch of varies, well. obviously. Yeah. Um, Zico, on the women's side, an interesting pick for you given the previous future odds. You got Garcia even money over Naomi. Yeah, I mean, these are just both really good servers. I just think that I trust Garcia to win a few more points given she's played more tennis recently. I think that these conditions suit her really well, and I just kind of – I view Osaka as a player to fade until she proves herself as well. I think it's not quite, it's, it's, it's a worse situation than the Holger Rune one I, I mentioned before, but I think a lot of people are going to be betting Osaka because of how many times she's won this event, how many times she's won in general throughout her career, but she's got to prove it. She's, she has not played much tennis over the last few years. Brutal draw for her yeah. to get Garcia first. I'll also round. be betting Osaka because I said she might win the tournament. Also they're, they're listening to our show. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Kenny, before I forget, though, you had one bet you had that was your favorite bet, and I know you're going to be also sprinkling money line, too. So you're going to go to Pat Morales. I don't know what happened, what the storyline is with you and Leheco. I'll have to, you know, get caught up on, on, on Raw or whatever. But uh, you got Zapata Morales, eight and a half games, and there's rumors that you're going to be sprinkling the money line as well. There are rumors circulating that I will be on the money line. Uh, yeah, no, it, I mean, and look, yes, uh, you know, the WWE put together a great package for me and Lahechka before this match. I, I do feel as though he's just not a very good tennis player. I've said this many times. Uh, he's been one of my favorite players to bet against. I think he makes a lot of unforced errors. There are those few moments where he's completely dialed in, uh, you know, hitting lines, serving well. And those happen during all of his matches. And I don't think this is going to be straightforward either way. Uh, I, I think that Bernabe is going to win two sets. I like him to win two sets at plus 310. He's beaten Lehechka before. He's taken a top 10 player and Tommy Paul to five sets at a Grand Slam. Lehechka made a quarterfinal here last year. Uh, the biggest win was over uh, Felix Oje Aliassime. He did win in five sets over Cam Nori after Nori seemed to pick up some sort of ailment after the fourth set and or the third set rather, and that match completely turned around. Um, but I, I don't think that really any i mean that's his one really crowning achievement is that slam run he's had bad us opens before he's had bad french opens uh he's just you want to talk about small brain players <laughs> probably i mean this guy's right up there with francisco serundolo in terms of his shot selection uh and i just don't think a, a guy like zapata morales who as we know from watching alexander bublik's amazing podcast with benoit pair and casper Rude, we know he's gonna fight we know he's gonna be screaming uh that's just not a good situation for yuri lehechko this guy's gonna get a lot of balls back into play 
play. He's going to really frustrate Lehechka, who wants to be able to hit through and, and hit for winners. Um, and again, even this week, he's won three matches. Nikola Jari played terribly. Dusan Lajevic is Dusan Lajevic. And then he beat a guy named uh, Andrew Walton, who we've all of us have never heard of before, a wild card who's Australian. So, I, I mean, look, there's uh, there's no reason for him yeah. to be minus 2,000 in any match. I don't care if he's playing Andrew Walton. He wasn't even minus 2,000 in that match. Uh, this is a very troublesome match for Yuri Lehechka with the matchup. And, no, will he win? Probably, probably. But I don't think it's going to be very easy for Lehechka. I think Zapata mm -hmm. Morales is going to have his shine in this match, as we like to say in the wrestling biz. That game spread is, yeah, it's it's almost give, puts it's him in He's Puts 22, by the way. I should just I just have to say that like not accomplishing much at majors isn't that surprising. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Mark got... is a top 40 tennis player, also. He's still very relatively young as well. And uh, I also want to just say before we before Zico roasts me and Pam as well, uh, <laughs> that this guy has a lot more hitting power than most people give him credit for because he's a clay quarter for his career. But we've seen him actually have some success on grass and I just oh. The stream got too much discounting him because of the purpose. <laughs> Kenny muted him. Kenny, I didn't. I didn't mute him, but Kenny froze a little bit there. But I'll just. Oh, did I start? I, I just. Love, I just love the fact that you've gone full circle and now you're big on the clay court guys. Given where we were. No, I'm not. You're gonna, you're gonna just, be like. The I, just, I just have two picks. I mean, I'm just supposed to try to win. That's what I'm trying to do. Kenny's gonna get invited down to Argentina in February for sure. Anywhere uh, but Argentina. All right. Anywhere. I'll go to Chile. Go to Chile Open. I was All a right. virtual spectator to Chile Open one year you were, during you COVID. Were. All right. So, Pam, you have a parlay pick here, and this is kind of a theory one. You got Shelton Sitsipas to win on the money line, uh, minus 120. I know this is kind of a strategy for you early. Find some favorites that you like and get the value that you like. Uh, Sitsipas has got an interesting one against the Hugo Boss boy himself, Matteo Berrettini. So. It if this doesn't work out, this to me just like screamed mega easy. So I'm just like rolling with it. It's Ben Shelton plus Stefano Sitsipas minus 120 money line parlay. Shelton is playing Roberto Batista Agut. Agut missed a lot of the 2023 season because of a horse riding incident. Hey, baby, don't do extra activities when you're a pro player. I don't know. Been playing since October, but he has been really rusty. Um, if you watch him, he just like is he's looking like lethargic. He's lacking that touch in the feel. Is that something that he can generate? Absolutely. But getting Ben Shelton um, right out of the gate is probably more difficult task than understood. Sitsipas over Berrettini. Berrettini hasn't played since the U.S. Open second round. That It's like that easy of a handicap for me. You have nothing to go for. You still don't have that. Neither It's going to be the player who has the better of the worst backhand. And I'm going to trust Sitsipas in this spot um, mm. because I just don't think Berrettini has enough to contend when he hasn't been playing at all. In the last six months, few months, it's going to be. It's yeah, that, that's an interesting matchup. But the fact is that Berrettini has not played. I think the other side of it, and that's where I'm going to bring Zico in here because he's going to push back a little bit again on one of your picks here. But Zico is going with the Batista Goop plus one point five sets, one and a half sets against Shelton at, at plus one fifteen. So explain yourself on this one. Shelton lost his first match to Sofia and has looked good so far, but in this next tournament, but. Why RBA in this spot? Yeah, I also hate to say it, but I had Berrettini set spread. So I'm looking at Berrettini set spread. They weren't available. I just think that that match is going to have like four tiebreakers, and I think that you're better off just taking <laughs> taking the, the chance on on the underdog. But 
I just think Batista Agu is a really rock solid player, like really smart player. It's played a ton of matches. I think that we're all moving a little too fast on Ben Shelton. I know that the talent is remarkable off the charts, but I do think that like point construction, he needs a lot of help. I think that return wise, he's still not quite there. And, you know, even for as, as good of his serve is as powerful as it is, he doesn't have a top 10 hole percentage in, in the ATP right now. Like I think that there are still things he needs to work on. I think he will figure them out probably by the end of the year. I think like maybe the U S open is when you're going to get the best of Shelton. I just think this is going to be a really tough match against an experienced player. And what, and, and Zico, what happened uh, in Auckland to round one to uh, Roberto Batista? Did he, did he win? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's why I've been fading Shelton, by the way. He, he, did, did, did RBA win round one of Auckland? <laughs> oh, yep. Who was his opponent in that match? <laughs> was, it, was it Roberto Carbias Baena? Okay. Hey, tennis, tennis players, say what you want about Kenny, but you know where you stand with him. That's that's pretty good. You know, it's a love-hate relationship. Uh, a few more picks, and we're going to have to wrap this up Just a couple more minutes on the show. Second I second comment, I think that Shelton wins that match. I also think the set spread could be in play. So I don't want to agree with you both, but I am. I, but I do think Shelton wins. I mean, he's not going to lose that match. Beating RBA is a rite of passage to every young American tennis player. They all kill him. And yeah. Berrettini is also going to beat Tsitsipas. If you didn't watch him at the United Cup, go back and watch. This guy looked terrible. His back is still giving him a lot of issues. He can't serve. He lost a lot of miles an hour. That's a very... I know that Berrettini hasn't played either, but I actually yeah, that, have more physical concerns about Tsitsipas. Pam, that might be the issue is that both these, it's like the walking wounded match. Both these guys aren't exactly healthy. I'm going to, none of these are like, yeah. these are like first glance looks. I do love Shelton and you know I love my money line parlays. So yeah. I'm going to probably revert here, but definitely Shelton in the money line. I don't, I'm not worried about him losing this match either. Okay. We got a comment here. Uh, Kenny is an encyclopedia. I think that's a compliment, but we'll have so. to see. I don't know what version it is there. Um, all right, a couple more picks before we wrap this one up. Uh, Kenny likes Kekmanovic on the set spread. So we are going to waste some some sets on this one. Yeah, Kekmanovic, it's so weird to me that he's one and two to start this season because he's looked unbelievable. You guys remember two years ago at the Australian Open when he came out, I mean, really that whole first three, four months of the season, this guy almost beat Carlos in Miami. He looked unbelievable. Uh, he's ripping the ball right now incredibly well. He lost a very difficult match to Jack Draper, who, as we saw last night, even though after a three-hour and 30-minute match, looked great. I mean, this guy's playing the tennis of his career, and I think he's going to crack the top 10 this year, Jack Draper. Um, but, you know, Ketsmanovic, I think, has looked really good. And I think that's that's Juan Nuki to, to end last season. Yes, he was he was unbelievable. Uh, he's since come out in, challenge, in a challenger, lost to a guy I've never heard of, and then lost to Diaz Acosta in qualifying for Adelaide. Not to yeah. mention Ketsmanovic has a two and one record against him. He's won four out of the last five sets played. And again, at a grand slam where Ketsmanovic has much more experience than Watanuki. Uh, and given the fact that he's playing incredibly well, one of the things I like to do in the, in especially in the early tournaments is you like to look for uh, guys that odds makers just aren't watching play tennis. I don't think anyone's actually ever watched a Ketsmanovic or has watched a Ketsmanovic match yet this year. And I think the line tells you all I need to know about that. He's playing so much better than a guy favored by, I mean, he's a minus 220 favorite, I believe, in this match. That's absolutely outrageous. Uh, I think he's playing close to a top 30 level right now. And I think we'll see it in Australia. All right, Zico, your last pick. And I got to ask you about this one. Wozniacki, you're weighing minus 166 against last year's semifinalist, Magdalenette. So this is a lot for a position, I would say, of Wozniacki still in her comeback. But explain yourself. 
Yeah, I mean, I was hoping to get the game spread. They weren't available yet. That's where I'd still be going with this because I don't really want to lay minus 166. But Wozniacki's 2-0 against her in her career. Obviously, she took a lot of time off, but I thought she looked really good when she came back last season. She had some really close losses. Two good players. I think that she's going to be in better shape in 2024 than she was in 2023 just more prepared all around so i think that this is just a really uh, a tough matchup for lynette who i don't think any any business making it that far last season to begin with so i just think this is a good spot for wozniaki and she lost a good match against Svitolina last week i think that this is you know a player that could have a big season i think that we'll be looking at her as a top 30 player at the end of the year all right fair enough and then pam your last pick you're going with Big Banks, the Eubanks show after Maybe his you guys will finally agree with something. Maybe Eubanks on the underdog money line plus 110 over Tara Daniel. Um, I actually like the over on yeah. this as well. I think this could be like a potential for a five-setter. I mean, Zach said it at the beginning of the tournament, at the beginning of the show. What does well here at this tournament? Big servers and solid returners. Well, this is kind of like a clash of both, but you're getting Eubanks, who's like a very aggressive player. He has a strong serve. He's suited better more for like grass and fast court. But he's 6'7". He's going to get a lot of free points off of this game. And because Daniel, look at the players that he has faced. He does not win against big-time servers. He had losses to Shelton, losses to Roundage. Roundage is still in his comeback. Like, hello. I like the over because at least Daniel did push Shelton to a tiebreak in Tokyo. Granted, that's a faster court surface. But I really just think that Eubanks potentially is like... This is more of a coin flip. So if you're giving me plus money or more of a coin flip, I'm going to look for consider that value. Okay. I disagree with you both. I think I, it's some, somehow I've actually watched Magdalene play all that three of her so. matches this year. I think she actually has played a lot better than the record would show. Uh, and you want to talk about a good loss? I mean, all her losses have been like good losses. They've been very difficult for her opponents. Uh, I think she's going to win that match. And then Eubanks, I, I still think, is a little overvalued after last year. I, I don't want to say it was a flash in the pan because he's a great guy, tennis channel commentator, uh, and, and a, a you know a really talented tennis player, but he's really not looked very good over the last couple of months. Taro Daniel, I don't like Tar I like Chris Eubanks way more than Taro Daniel. I do not like Taro Daniel, but I think he's going to win this match. He, he has, has a tendency uh, against some of the players like this who are fading, but they're still sort of overranked to win these matches. We saw him do it in Miami a couple of times uh, over the last couple of years. So I, I think this is a tough match for Eubanks, but Grand Slams, as you guys have been saying, and we've all been saying, it's it's a lot different than a best of three. So maybe Eubanks pulls this out. But that I think uh, what what Pam said is true about a lot of uh, uh, you know a lot of holds. The over here I think could definitely be in play because Daniel's going to make that difficult match. One last one before we go because we have a fan comment on this question, and I did have it in my notes. But uh, George Tiafo, this is our fan question. George is an underdog against Tiafo. I feel like there's going to be some people that say yes, there is a chance he wins this match, but. Seiko, we'll go around the horn and start with you. Yeah, I really got to hop off, but my short answer is yes. And I also think that the Eubanks, the Eubanks <laughs> match, I, I fear for Rublev in the second round, whoever he faces there. Okay. Uh, quickly, Kenny, before we wrap up. Yeah, hashtag fade foe. I think he's going to lose that match. If he doesn't lose that match, I think he loses uh, the next round to Thomas uh, Machach, who's been unbelievable, this guy, since the last six months. I think that's a very difficult draw for foe. Um, he would have been much better off playing a qualifier in the first round, finding some form. Mm -hmm. don't like him here uh don't i mean i never like him in australia he's never been a, a fast starter to seasons um mm -hmm. but I, I don't i don't i don't think he's really playing particularly well 
Yeah, Pam, I think this is a great value spot for George. You talk about value players that maybe aren't as consistent but have that top-end potential. He's won a Masters event within the last two years. So mm -hmm. like Beyond that, George is really great with, with redirecting, and that's exactly what Tiafo can provide. So he's going to be like a really low returner in this spot. I would definitely consider George as the underdog. I have to do a little bit more digging because I didn't put that on my list. But yeah, I like that out of the gate. Well, we lost Zeke Hill, but I think he'll be back next week when we do tennis bets a couple times next week during the Australian Open. Uh, Kenny Ducey, Pamela Maldonado, thanks for joining. Hey, this was fun. We're going to keep this going, and uh, we'll see how right or wrong we are. There was uh, some good synergy on today's show, so some building blocks for, for this new 2024. Yeah, sorry to disagree at the end there with both with both of my fellow panelists, but uh, I do think it's going to be a great Australian Open, and a lot of good points were made today. And also, uh, if if I'm going to absolutely be judging if you guys on the West Coast are not at least staying up till 2 a.m. during the Australian Open, because I will be up getting my bacon, egg, and cheese at 8.30 in the morning after all the matches are over, and then going to sleep till 4 and then doing it all over for two weeks. So I said schedule. I am on Australian Open time. Starting probably like on Tuesday, Wednesday, though. I don't really care for like the first round matches. I need to see at least the second round. And then once Djokovic comes on board, whoo, I'm awake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, second week's always easier for sleep. But people are concerned about my well-being because I'm asleep from 8 a.m. till 2 p.m. No one can reach me. But it's all about this right here. Yeah, we'll get a couple wellness checks on you. Make sure you're okay. But uh, for Kenny Ducey, Pamela Maldonado, and Zachary Cohen, I'm your host, Mitch Michaels. Thanks for watching or listening to Tennis Bets. We're on the Tennis Channel Podcast Network as well. We're back next week. Same time, same place. We've got a lot to discuss on the Australian Open on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. Enjoy the gambling season. Have fun out there. And uh, thank you for watching and listening to Tennis Pets.